Guys, I'm excited to announce it's finally here. For those of you who have been waiting patiently, here it is. This is the official, unofficial podcast dedicated to what I would consider mostly Eastern Washington sports. I'm sure if, you know, the Game of Thrones finale was on here, you know, at the same time, I would probably talk about how bad it was and, you know, spend 10 minutes talking about that. But since my show is now over and it was awful, we're going to talk about mostly Eastern Washington sports. This is the Eagles Power Hour brought to you by yours truly, Kyler Neal. For those of you who do not know me, we'll sit back, buckle up, and I'm going to give you a quick background of who I am and why you should listen to this podcast this whole season. And, you know, hopefully you guys are going to listen. If not, eh, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Just tell me I suck and move on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up in the beautiful state of Washington in this little old town called Puyallup. You may have heard of it. If you're not from Washington, you probably would read it as Puyallup. I have no clue. But in Puyallup, we grew up as 100% Pac-12 fans. Um, pretty much the whole state of Washington, you know the University of Washington, you know Washington State, and you're fans of one of those two schools, and probably not much else. Well, just because I was a Pac-12 fan didn't mean I paid attention. I didn't pay attention to smaller conferences. I was actually a huge fan of the WAC at the time. I loved watching Hawaii. I loved watching Fresno. You know, and then the WAC went away, and they kind of moved over to the Mountain West, and I started watching a lot of Mountain West football. You know, Boise State became the perennial power that you guys probably have heard of if you haven't um yeah maybe wake up a couple days and you'll hear boise state's name somewhere uh but i gotta say i I didn't really know anything about the big sky or the fcs level until i decided to go to college at eastern i gotta say i was probably one of those kids saying oh eastern washington you're kind of like central washington you're d2 and now those type of people aggravate me we are division one we are just FCS. So I got to say, I probably hated my, the 10-year-old myself, um, but oh well, he was just a kid. Now I know. But yeah, when I decided to go to Eastern Washington, that's when I truly loved everything about the whole Eastern side of the state and what they had to offer. I loved Cheney so much that I actually never went home, not even in the summers. Most students, as I'm sure you're aware, they go home in the summer, and Cheney is pretty dead besides, you know, a little bit of the locals like Kelsey Hatch. But I stayed. I had a good time at the bars. You get to really know the bartenders who, during the regular year, if you if you friend them, you'll get some cheap drinks. Just, you know, be, be careful with that. Sometimes you'll forget what you're drinking. Um, or they'll experiment some drinks, and you have to be their guinea pigs because you're the only one in the bar. That's not, that's not too fun, but oh well. Um, yeah, I love the canvas. I love Spokane. It's actually one of my favorite cities. I would probably move back in a heartbeat if it didn't snow. Um, Now, since I've lived in Phoenix and Houston the last seven years, man, cold weather is not really enticing. It's not calling out my name, but I love Spokane in the summers. I love Washington in the summers. I go back every single year. There's not a prettier state that I have seen, um, you know, in Washington in the summers. It's amazing. But yeah, back to FCS football at least. So at Eastern, I started really learning about FCS football, the history of the division, um, the history of Eastern Washington, and I fell in love with this this little subdivision. Um, the best thing is, you know, it's a true playoff system, and your team gets to prove that they are the best, which they did while I was attending Eastern. 2010 was 
you know, an amazing year. And ever since that year, we've been one of the most dominant football programs of the 2010s, you know, behind that one team that we don't like to say who they are. You know, that's the, that evil team that we don't, we don't call them out unless we have to. Um, well, let's fast forward a couple years because as I already mentioned, I was, you know, a guinea pig at the bars. So the beer and drinks made me forget some of college, but, but yeah, so let's fast forward a couple years. Um, I was a pretty active member on the FCS Facebook page until June or January of 2016 when this kid, Wyatt, Wyatt Cook, he started a FCS Fans Nation football group, which now I'm an, an, an admin of. Um, this page is dedicated to just FCS fans across the nation where you can go in, you can post, you can learn more. Um, we do cool things where we are doing, you know, a team of the day or a school of the day, and you're learning all about the school and their history and, you know, what type of accomplishments they've had. Um, so it's been pretty exciting. But I've been on that page, for, you know, since 2016 and an admin, and we actually have been doing our own podcast with, you know, the NDSU fan, Matthew Frazee. He's top five, you know, FC, NDSU fans alike. All the rest, all the rest are eh. Just joking, guys. You guys, you guys are great in person. You suck online though. I'll admit it. I'm not afraid. And then Lawrence Smith, who is a JMU fan, um, he actually went to Eastern Washington two Eastern Washington games last year. So we're trying to convert him. You know, he wants to have two of the best three teams. So we're trying our best to convert him. But we do these podcasts, you know, every single week. Um, during the football season, you can check them out at fcsfansnation.com. Um, go to the podcast tab, click it, listen. Again, if you don't like it, not my problem, but I hope you like it. Well, through the podcast and through that page, I was introduced to uh, you know some of the other Big Sky podcast networks like the Montana Mint R and R podcast and Tubs of the Club, which are you know a Montana Grizz podcast, a Montana State podcast, and then an Idaho Vandals podcast. Well, the exciting news is we have all partnered together to bring you the Big Sky Podcast Network. Our goal, honestly, is just to continue to drive more Big Sky content and give you all something to listen to or read every single day of the week during the football season. Guys, more more information will come, but this is pretty exciting. Um, well, that's just a little bit of background. And now let's start what you guys have all been waiting for me to talk about. Let's, let's dive into some Eastern Washington football. So the first thing I want to do is just do a quick recap of last year you know um how did it go who did we lose um did anyone make the nfl you know are we potentially bringing back anyone next year um so yeah let's let's just dive into it so aaron best he is our second year head coach uh eastern washington ended the season at 12 and 3 uh we lost in the fcs national championship game to north dakota state by 14 and you know there is a, a saying by probably one of the smartest people alive, Ricky Bobby. Uh, and it goes something like, if you're not first, you're last. Well, since we didn't finish first, should Eastern fans be happy about the 2018 season? I think absolutely. We should be pumped about what we were able to accomplish. Not just because we made the national title game, but how we made the national title game and how we competed. So, I'm sure most of you guys are aware, we were hit with the injury bug this last year. Most teams who lose what we do don't make it to the playoffs, let alone if they get injured, you know, right before the playoffs, they lose their first game. We had nine starters out in the playoffs, 
including what was it four all-americans so one of those is gage gubrud you know he was the all-american quarterback uh he set fcs you know records as his first year as a starter he got injured most teams when you lose your all-american quarterback you don't have a good shot to make a run well guess what eastern did eric barrier came around you know a three-star recruit out of california an amazing dual threat he came around he, he played extremely well. If you look at like his per game stats, there's not many quarterbacks, if any, that beat him in a per game stat. So we are excited to have him back. But you know, he was able to lead us to the national championship game. Uh, he threw a playoff record of seven touchdowns against Maine in the semifinals. But yeah, we had other all stars gone. JT Tooley, he didn't play in the national championship game. We had two of our O linemen, our All American O linemen, Spencer Blackburn. He did not play. We were injured, and guess what? We still played NDSU competitively. Now, am I going to say we could have beat them if our starters were there? No, I'm not going to say that because I don't know. Our, our backups played pretty dang good, and maybe our starters, you know, maybe they would have played better. Maybe they would have played worse. You just play what you have. But yeah, should we be proud? Absolutely. North Dakota State on paper, you know, statistically, was probably a top five team in FCS history. You know, you can definitely say they were not as good as, you know, Marshall with Randy Moss or even the 2013 North Dakota State team. But after that, eh, this 2018 North Dakota State team may have been the third best team in FCS history. You know, it's hard to compare, but just looking at the stats and what they were able to accomplish, they're up there. So Eastern played very competitive with them. We were, you know, it was a one-score game until... What was it? The last minute when Easton Stick, you know, broke out for a 25-yard run to kind of put the nail in the coffin. Um, but yeah, we were competitive then with nine starters out. We we played amazing. Our recruits are getting better. Uh, we were balanced this last year. When was it the last time where you're like, oh, Eastern's Washington's defense can actually mess you up? Probably 2010 when we won the national championship. This last year, we held teams, big sky teams, Sky low last year of under 17 points per game. Who would have thought if you would have said, who's going to be leading the big sky in defense? Would you have said Eastern Washington? If you would have, you're a liar. And I'm going to call you out. You're a liar. We were not projected to be that good on defense. And we were. We were the number one scoring defense in the FCS last year. Our defense put up touchdowns. Number one. We were number two in takeaways. Um... We were number two. We had interceptions galore. Our our defensive backs, our, our linebackers, everyone was good. Um, one thing that we, you know, kind of struggled with was we let teams put up quite a bit of yards against us. You know, we weren't top 40 in total defense. But all that matters is were we able to stop teams from scoring at the end of the day? In my opinion, that's all that matters. And for the most part, we were. So we were we were really good last year. I think Eastern Washington fans should be excited. And guess what? Not only were we a threat passing, we were a threat running. That hasn't happened since 2010 as well. Maybe some, we've had some decent years every now and then, but I don't remember us having a top 10 year in running. We were a top 10 team, I believe, in running. I think the number 10 team. Sam McPherson was a beak. Beast, not a beak. Eagles have beaks. But Sam McPherson was a beast. So I got to say, I'm really excited for what Aaron Best has been doing um, hopefully this is just the beginning 
And, you know, we can continue this balanced success offensively, defensively, passing, running, special teams. Um, crap, I didn't even talk about special teams. Our special teams were lights out last year. Punting was phenomenal, even though we don't punt much. Field goal kicking was phenomenal, even though we don't kick a lot of field goals. Our kicker was 100% on the year. Not many kickers can claim that. But yeah, we should all be pretty proud of what we were able to accomplish. Um, you know, going down to Frisco, facing one of the best teams in FCS history, and it was 100% an away crowd. I mean, an away game. Uh, <laughs> I was there, I would say, what? Out of 18,000 fans, Eastern Washington had maybe 3,500. So we traveled well for an away game, but it was definitely an away game, and we put up a fight. And at the end of the day, all Eastern Washington players, fans, coaches, hold your heads up high, um, and hopefully we can we can make a run coming back this year. I'm excited. But we did have a big senior class last year. Let's not try and argue some of the facts. We did lose a couple really good players. Um, and I'm just going to go down the list and you know, talk about maybe some of the players we lost and, and who we can expect to come back, maybe some positions that are going to potentially struggle and do really well next year. So let's break it down. So some of the players we lost, we lost Gage Gobrud. Now, is this a big loss? A big loss? No, not really, because we do have Eric Berrier. But Gage Gurud is transferring to Washington State, and right now he is the projected starter. I gotta, I gotta give him some props. You know, he wanted to play another year, and he found a team that could play. And this definitely, especially if he's successful, can raise his draft stock. And I'm gonna root for the kid. I root for kind of all Eastern Washington players, even if they they leave Eastern. But it's not like he transferred. While he was playing for us, you know, he's a grad transfer. Or he's, I guess he's a medical retro transfer, but whatever. So, yeah, he's at WSU. We don't play them this year, so who cares? Um, but that makes two quarterbacks in the last five years have transferred to big-time P5 schools where they're getting the start and putting on tremendous years. Well, hopefully a tremendous year, Gage. Uh, I'm rooting for you. But we lost, you know, our wide receiver, Simba Webster, who was an absolute beast last year. You know, he is definitely our, our best receiver, um, but he's joining the Rams. You know, we have a couple players there already. Cooper Cup. Um, we have Samson, Aaron Neary. Um, also, our linebacker, Gettner Cup. He's on the Rams roster. How cool is that? Both Cup brothers playing for the Rams. That's pretty rare, especially at a little school to have, you know, two siblings um, play for the same NFL team. So hopefully Kettner Cup and, and Simba Webster can continue to fight through this, you know, training camp in a spot um, or at least get some type of practice squad. Um, I think they have the talent to do so, especially since, you know, Simba can learn from Cooper. Um, Kettner can learn from Samson. And how awesome is that? The Rams have five Eastern Washington players. And we have like nine players on NFL contracts right now throughout like the last three years. That's that's pretty impressive. Our defensive tackle who, you know, he had to sit out in the Frisco game and we were definitely missing him because he was our best defensive player, in my opinion. He signed a, you know, undrafted free agency with the Seahawks. Um, I've seen some photos of him. Man, he's looking slim. He lost some weight. He's looking powerful. You know, I hope he can earn a spot. I'm, I'm definitely rooting for that guy. Um, our cornerback, Josh Lewis, he also was signed by the Seahawks. I have to follow up. I don't know if he's still on the team or not. But yeah, I mean, we, we had nine players, at least, you know, eight to nine, currently on 
NFL rosters. Even Taiwan Jones is still, he's, he's playing for Houston and I live in Houston now. So I'm going to have to buy myself a, an, you know, a Houston, um, Taiwan Jones Jersey. And yeah, we'll see if he sees it, but yeah, so, so that's cornerback position. That is the one position that makes me nervous coming into this year. It's not like, you know, we lost Simba Webster and Terrence Grady and, you know, a couple other wide receivers, but we're stacked in that position with Aaron Boston, Johnny Edwards, you know, we're absolutely stacked in my opinion in the wide receiver position. Um, we're good in linebacker. You know, we have some really good defensive linemen who will make some cuts, but our quarterback position hundred percent was diluted. <laughs> All of them are gone guys. Um, this position definitely makes me the most nervous and it's not, it's not due to talent. It, it's more due to inexperience um, because we actually have some of the most talented and athletic recruits we've ever had that could possibly fill, you know, the voids of those cornerback positions. So we have Trey Weed and Trey Edwards. You know, they're both really young, but they're both three-star kids who are in the top 10 um, recruits in Eastern history. You know, they also played cornerback and wide receiver, I believe, in high school. Um, you know, they were a dual-type player. And they could easily fill that void. You know, they're really young. One will be a true freshman. One will be a redshirt freshman. You know, so they're really young, but they are they're super talented to, to actually get the start. And I'm sure coast best is going to play them for four games, you know, do that new red shirt rule, see how they perform. But I think they can, you know, fill that void, but that is the one position where I'm a little nervous at, and it's not because of the talent. It's not because of the athletic ability. It's just because inexperience. And sometimes when you're inexperienced, you don't make the right reads. And we have some really hard games early on in our schedule where if they don't make those right reads, that could be the difference maker in winning and losing, um, especially with you know one of our games that I'll talk about down the list on this podcast. Our, our kicker, Ronald Alcombendez, we lost him. He was the one who went 100% on his field goals. Um, I do not think he has signed an NFL you know, contract that I'm aware of. I haven't seen it. Man, I really wish he would have, though. You know, He was 100%. He made some big kicks. Big kicks from 40 plus yards out. You know, he was just an all around talent, and I hope he gets a shot. If he doesn't, you know, maybe there's other bigger and better things that, that are going to be waiting for him in his life. We lost a couple other good, really players like Sam McPherson. Now, our running back position, in my opinion, is stacked. You know, it hurts that we lose Sam. He's one of my favorite players of all time already. The way he would, you know, his mentality. You know, he, he was running to truck people. He wasn't running to, you know, evade people or get outside um, like some of the other running backs, you know, we've had on our roster and in the past, but he was willing to just truck people. And he did it against North Dakota State. There was that big touchdown run he had. Um, you know, he ran him for the scoring drive, I believe, against UC Davis with the last 40 seconds left. You know, he is an absolute beast and we will miss him. But like I said, our our running back position is very talented this this next year and we have a lot of players who have tons of experience you know um anton custer um then we have Merritt, who's in the backfield it should be exciting but let's not forget the fact that we also did lose a couple coaches now losing our offensive coordinator shouldn't be anything that frightens eastern washington fans this is like our fourth you know offensive coordinator change in the last six years uh, <laughs> but yeah bodie reader I wish him the best. You know, he helped Eastern to one of the best and explosive and balanced offenses in the nation. Um, he's moved on to some bigger and better things, and he's now the offensive coordinator and, you know, quarterback coach at the University of New York, Texas, who 
I believe they had a pretty good year, you know, this last year. So hopefully he can improve that team. I'm, I'll root for pretty much any coach that decides to to leave Eastern or not. Maybe that decides to leave, but that gets some promotions. Um, also, our, our defensive coordinator, Jeff Schmetting, uh, he helped lead Eastern Washington to, like I said above, one of the best big sky defenses holding our conferences to, you know, below 16 points per game. He grabbed a huge opportunity. He is now in powerhouse Boise State as our new, you know, defensive coordinator and outside linebacker coach. So that's just who we lost, you know, on this offseason. And some of those seem like some pretty big names, but let, let's be excited about who we have coming back. And this stat is pretty impressive. We have some new faces. I just want to tell you guys, we have 17 of our top 20 recruits in history on Eastern Washington's roster next year. And I would say a majority of them, if not all of them, should be starters or at least splitting time because some are still pretty young. So that is exciting to know that we've been this successful and we haven't had nearly the type of talent and athleticism that we have on our team going forward into this year. And thank God for some of those injuries, right? Last year, like I said, we were down nine starters in the championship game for all Americans. Guess what? Due to all those injuries, because we had a big senior class, but due to those injuries, we have a lot of experience coming back on offense and on defense. I believe we return this year about eight starters on offense, which is really exciting. You know, or at least eight people who have started um, on defense. We return about 80% of our defense. And, you know, that's just not starters, but that that's at least starters or players who had significant playing time. So even though we lost a lot, and, you know, it says we lost 26 seniors. Um, and some of the media outlets are saying, you know, Eastern Washington might not be as good as this last year. I think we will be just fine. I think we're going to be just as good as last year, maybe if not better, besides on our defensive backs position. And that's literally just because of the inexperience. But our O-line is going to be stacked. We return four or five, including, you know, two former All-Americans. Eric Berrier looks to be the next big thing, you know, a Vernon Adams type protege. I'm excited. He's on the Walter Payton, you know, watch list. So we might be able to win our, what would that be? Fourth, fourth offensive player of the year in the last 10, 12 years, something like that. So that's pretty excited. So that's kind of on, you know, our last year, what we did, who we bring back, who we lost. But I want to talk about before I dive into too much of, you know, this next year and what we can expect. I want to talk about Eastern Washington Stadium. I know, it's a touchy, touchy subject for a lot of Eastern Washington fans. Well, back you know, back May 10th, we were supposed to have some type of presentation to the board about our stadium update. It's sad. You guys can bring out a tissue. That has now been postponed until October. You know, it's coming up. It's only a couple months away, but... I really hope they make those plans public so we can start fundraising, you know, specifically for the cause. The time is now, especially after our national title run. Um, what was really cool is this year, the city of Spokane seemed to really support Eastern Washington, which I don't remember happening when I lived over there. You know, I remember the casino supporting it, you know, and they played the game, but I don't remember the whole city of Spokane really being congratulatory or, you know, saying good luck to Eastern. And holy crap, I saw online, you know, 
every single building has an Eastern flyer on it. I don't know if we paid for that or if Lynn Hickey is just starting to develop those, you know, key relationships that we really need to build our program further. Hopefully we see some plans soon. Hopefully we can start fundraising for it. Here's some of the things I personally would like to see. Um, And you guys might not agree with me. You might not my problem. It's not your podcast. It's mine, (laughs) but uh, I would really love to see a removal of the track. That is my least favorite thing about college football stadiums mostly the fcs as there's still so many a lot of the fbs programs or you know power five besides maybe kansas you know they kind of eliminated the track around a football field i hate it you're a little too far away i want that track gone um it's not that i you know dislike track people one of my best friends was a big sky javelin champion as a freshman that's right aaron mettler i'm, I'm giving you a shout out Uh, But yeah, I'm just not a fan of tracks around football field. I want the removal of the track, you know, some type of, you know, the bleachers close on the field so you can hear the fans more. I want our home side seats expanded to the ends of the end zone. Right now they're like, they end before the end zone. And it, to me, it looks a little tacky. If we could extend them to the ends of the end zone, you know, give that side a full look. I think that would be amazing. And also if we could just mirror our home side, you know, I don't need something super flashy like Allen, Texas. Yeah, I'm throwing a shout out to a high school whose stadium is more than impressive. Or one of the high school stadiums right next to me in Houston, Texas, the Barry Center. Um, we don't need something like that. I just want something that doesn't have, you know, piss poor bleachers that look like they're life threatening on our wayside. Um, I'm not going to be picky. I don't want. Well, it's not that I don't want. I don't need a stadium to resemble Montana. I don't need a stadium to sit 25,000 people. I would be super happy if we just, you know, remove the track, um, put some seats closer to the field, extended them, and have our wayside that mirrors our home side. Uh, maybe around 15 to 18,000 seats at the most. You know, I don't need the best big size stadium. I really don't. I just think we deserve. We, we deserve to have a better stadium than one of the worst in the big sky. And right now, that's, that's what we are. We are bottom 25% of the FCS in terms of a stadium. You know, there's a couple of stadiums that are, are way worse than ours, um, but there's a lot that's way better. So for being the second best team of the decade, you know, we definitely deserve more. And, and now I say we deserve more, but I'm not talking about the fans. We don't deserve more. The football team deserves more. Us fans... We're not donating enough. We only deserve what we're willing to donate. So please continue to help out Eastern Washington. You can donate, you know, show Eastern that we are ready to make these plans, you know, public. Uh, So go at least donate to the EAF, you know, which you can find at goeags.com. Donate, you know, that helps student athletes. Maybe if we get enough support, they'll finally realize, hey, Eastern fans, we're ready for this expansion. Let's see what we can donate. Because at the end of the day, it's not on our school. It's on our fans, and we just have not been good enough as a whole to donate. You know, let's let's all try and be more like Kelsey Hatch and her family, and let's all donate. So that's just my quick little stadium update. I want to go over some of the rankings that I have seen lately and tell you where I agree with, disagree with, because for those of you who don't know, and I don't think I covered it up top, I am actually one of the official stats top 25 voters and i have been the last year and you know moving on to this year we submitted our preseason bids and um yeah i'm 
kind of excited. I, I like judging other people's stuff and, and telling them how bad they are when in reality they're not. This is the preseason. We're only basing it off assumptions and what have teams kind of done for us lately? Who did they lose? Who did they return? And blah, blah, blah. But there's really no wrong answer. But I wanted to you know take some of the top 20, top 10 polls. I don't want to dissect the whole top 25 uh, because I don't think it matters right now. Pretty much anywhere from t- 11 to 25 is pretty interchangeable right now. But I want to dive into the top 10 on some of the most reputable polls. And by reputable, I'm even going to say the FCS Fans Nation top 10 poll because even though I'm an admin there, I like it the most. You know, call me biased. Who cares? I think it, it, I think it does a good job. But let's break down the Hero Sports top 10 real quick. Now, before I break it down, let me say Brian McLaughlin and Sam Herter, if you don't know who they are, give them a follow on all social media aspects, you know, um, follow Hero Sports. They are definitely the best media outlet for FCS football. And, you know, before them, there wasn't many. You know, we had stats, which Craig Haley does a great job, and we'll dive into his poll in a little bit, which is the official polls. But as a full media content I don't think anyone really does it quite like Hero Sports. Um, they're also doing a, you know, three teams every day prior to the season, you know, get to know the teams and what did they do last year? What can you expect from them this year? Who do they return? They do a deep dive into everything. And it's it's pretty awesome. But yeah, give them a follow. They also do a podcast. They do an amazing job. They've been on our FCS Fans Nation podcast. They're wonderful. Most knowledgeable people, in my opinion, in the FCS as a whole. Now, since I gave them all that credit, I'm going to pick apart their top 10. Um, I I just don't like their top 10. And like I said, there, there's a lot of things to like about what they do. Um, and the preseason, not everything's accurate. So I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm not going to say I'm right. I'm just going to say what I disagree with and what I do agree with. So I will give them some love too. Uh, so they have number one, James Madison, who, you know, they got beaten the, the second round of the playoffs last year by Colgate. I don't hate James Madison at number one. They return 20 starters. Um, they do have a new coaching staff. Um, Coach Signetti, who was from Elon, but Elon beat James Madison last year with a way less talented roster. So, so now they have that coach. They have more talent. They return 20 starters. 20 starters. That's, you know, you're, you're going to do well if you return 20 starters and all of your starters have pretty much played in a national championship game before. You know, if you guys don't remember, they won the whole thing in 2016. They were the national chip, national championship runners up in 2017. Um, and then, you know, they had some key players lost this last year. So they underperformed compared to their standards, but shoot, they were still what a top 10 team all throughout the whole year. And now they returned 20 starters at the number one position. I like it. Um, I'm not saying it's my number one, but I could see arguments for it. And I'm not going to dog their their number one pick. Um, North Dakota State at number two. Okay. I'm sure you guys are all aware. North Dakota State only returned seven players and they lost their coaching staff and lost a lot of key positions. If any other team, even Eastern Washington, lost all of that, they're probably not making my top ten. But it is North Dakota State. I am not going to fault anyone who ranks them one through four even with the uncertainty, because they have proven themselves to be the best SCS program of all time, and their recruiting is still better on any given year than 98% of the FCS programs that are recruiting that year. So they have the talent, they have the depth, they have a winning culture. Players there, they don't come to 
you know, to lose in the playoffs. They go there to win a championship, not a conference title, a championship, a national championship. So North Dakota State, I'm totally okay with you being anywhere from one to four. I like you at number two. That's not bad. UC Davis, I like this pick. They're number three on the Hero Sports. Hero Sports, you did a good job. Um, UC Davis is ranked a lot lower on some other sites, but guys, we have to know, as Ezra from Vans, we know how good UC Davis can prep for a team. Sure, the first time we played them, we absolutely murdered them. It was not close. They were a top 10 team. We were a top 10 team. We murdered them. But Dan Hawkins is such a good coach. He was able to adapt. He learned our system really well. And we were 40 seconds, a 40-second final drive away from not making it to the title game. And UC Davis was 40 seconds away from making it and playing North Dakota State. Now, UC Davis, they lose, you know, Keelan Doss and a couple defensive members. But that's about all they lose. They return Jake Meyer, who is, you know, a preseason favorite to win the FCS Walter Payton Award. Um, they return 18-ish, 17 starters. You know, this team should be stacked in... Dan Hawkins just in a couple years brought them from bottom dweller. Like no one cared about UC Davis. We're like UC Davis is on the schedule. Chalk that up as a win. Now you're looking at them like, holy crap, UC Davis is on the schedule. This is going to be tough. So I like them at number three. Um, They did not make my top four. Actually, no, they didn't make my top four. They did not make my top five, but yeah, they made my top four and I can see arguments for UC Davis anywhere from one to four as well. Um, There's four teams I can make that argument for. One I do not like, number main at four. I absolutely do not like this pick. Um, It's not their placement. It's they're above some of the teams who I think would wipe the floor with them. Last year, when Eastern was playing them in the semifinals, we had our FCS Fans Nation podcast. And right before that game, I told everyone who was listening, this will be Eastern Washington's easiest game they have in the playoffs. Normally, you don't say that in the semifinals. Normally, you go, man, this is going to be tough. I said, this is going to be our easiest game in the playoffs. We should win by 21 plus. And it's because of what I saw from Maine. I watched about five Maine games, you know, in preparation for playing them and and throughout the playoffs and a couple games in the season. They weren't a bad team by any means, but they didn't play anyone like the caliber of Eastern Washington. They didn't even play James Madison last year. And James Madison had a down year. I don't think... James Madison would have lost to Maine. Maine had a really good front seven. They did. I'm not going to try and try and say that their front seven was awful. No, their front seven was amazing. Um, but what they what they struggled with, and they struggled with all years, their defensive backs, in my opinion, were probably the worst Eastern Washington has seen in the last couple years from a D1 team. I'm sure if you're aware of Eastern Washington, you've been following them this whole decade. We're going to strive against people who cannot cover a pass and their defensive backs could not cover anything. You know, we could have ran a hail Mary every play and still put up 50 points. Now I get, they traveled back to back, but I'm not a fan of, of them being ranked number four. They also lost their coach. I don't think they should be above Eastern Washington in anything. I think even, you know, we beat them by what? Almost 40 points. You know, I I think all of our, our second string would have still been able to, play a close game with Maine. As it showed, we had tons of starters out, and we were still dominating them. They just shouldn't be number four, especially with losing a coach. Sure, they bring back a really good quarterback. Eh, they bring back a quarterback. I was a little too kind when I just said really good. They bring back a quarterback. That's about it. Um, you know, they have 18 starters or whatnot. 
but I, I don't see any of their starters being better than any one of Eastern starters. I really don't. Uh, maybe their defensive line, and that's about it. So I hate them at four. Jackson or South Dakota State. I you know they're at five. I had mine. I had South Dakota State at five. I don't like how they're placed above seven teams, but you know for the most part, I'm not going to knock it. Um, especially if their quarterback, they lost a really good quarterback, Taron Christian, last year. You know he was their best quarterback in franchise history. They have a really good couple couple of young kids who, you know, one's an, I believe, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. If he gets start and he's half as good as what Taron is his first year, South Dakota State will still be a playoff team, you know, quarterfinal team. They could still be really good. They return a lot of people. Um, then we have number six, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State, guys. Eastern Washington plays them. They play them week four. It's going to be exciting. In my opinion, Jacksonville State should not be ranked above Eastern Washington. Um, I have them at six on mine, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really pick apart Hero Sports placement of them, but they just shouldn't be ranked above Eastern Washington. Jacksonville State's offense is one of the most talented offensive rosters I have seen in the FCS in a long time. Their defense, in my opinion, is below average. Um, all aspects of their defense, and as talented as their offense is, like their wide receivers. It's going to be a true test for our defensive backs, our young and inexperienced defensive backs, to try and cover these kids. These kids are going to be phenomenal. They're fast. They're athletic. You know, they just got a, a Notre Dame transfer. Their quarterback is a Clemson transfer. Um, you know, it's an offense just full of these FBS Power Five transfers, and and some of them got a you know some decent amount of playing time. But they're they're not going to be easy, um, especially because we have to travel down there. But their defense, in my opinion, is just so bad. And they are just, if you follow Jacksonville State at all this last decade, you know, outside of one year, they have underperformed. They they cause a lot of penalties. They don't play disciplined football. Um, they seem to, and I don't know if it's John Gross or not, but their offensive playing, you know, I'm not a coach, and I can read what they're, what they're calling, um, which you would think, you know, at the, you know, Division one level, you should be able to stump a guy who's sitting on the couch, but they haven't been able to. I think their play calling is not very good. So we go down there, we play in the heat, we play in the humidity. Um, I still expect an Eastern win. I'll, I'll dive down that a little later, but they just shouldn't be ranked above Eastern. Then we have Eastern Washington at seven. Um, I can't see Eastern Washington anything lower than four due to the fact that I, I kind of broke down what we return. The only position where we really are going to possibly struggle is defensive back. Other than that, we should be as good, if not better, in every other position compared to last year, which, as you guys are aware of, we were a team who went to the national championship. So I would expect us being, you know, at least that good. Um, we'll probably give up, you know, a little bit more points, but I think we'll also score more points due to Eric Berrier being a little more experienced, um, having a full, healthy O-line if they can all stay healthy. Um, we should be able to score at will, especially against Jacksonville State. Wofford at eight, I love. Wofford's been one of the most consistent teams in the last four years. You know, they're a quarterfinal team. They they don't have enough offensive power or offensive firepower to make it past quarters, but they can beat anyone going into the quarters. You know, any of those first round, possibly second round teams. I like Wofford at eight. I don't hate it. Um, Illinois State at nine, I'm not a fan of. This team has been overrated and always in the top 10 since they beat Eastern Washington in the quarterfinals in, what, 2013 or 14, one of those years. Um, and they haven't been good since. You know, sure, they've been 
right around maybe a top 25 team, but they'll go on these runs every single year. They'll start 5-0 and and then absolutely fall apart and lose to teams who you know win two games a year. Illinois State it will never be in my top 10 until they prove it year over year that they are capable of being in the top 10. They return a lot of players, but it's a lot of players from a team who was not even close to being good enough to make it to the to the playoffs. You know, at least last in 2017, everyone would say Eastern Washington was snubbed. Um, that was the, the opinion across the board on FCS Fans Nation. We were snubbed. So when we returned 18 starters, we're like, all right, we have a good chance because, you know, we should have been in the playoffs. Illinois State was not close to making the playoffs. They were not that good. Um, and then Towson, I don't have them in the top 10 of mine, but I like this pick. I, I think Towson returns a lot of talent, including Flacco. Yeah, that's Joe Flacco's brother. Um, he's a really good quarterback, and I think Towson can make some noise in the CAA. So that's, you know, Hero Sports, the top 10 that I agree and disagree with. Overall, really, their their top 25 is not that bad. Um, there's just a couple picks that I was not a fan of. FCS Fans Nation, I'm just going to go down it. You know, I've broken down a lot of the teams, and all of their teams are the same as, you know, Hero Sports, just a different order. So I'm not going to break down what I like or what I don't like. But the FCS Fans Nation poll, number one, North Dakota State. Number two, James Madison. Number three, Eastern Washington. UC Davis, four. South Dakota State, five. Jacksonville State, six. Maine, seven. Weber, eight. Wofford, nine. And Towson, ten. Absolutely a perfect top ten, in my opinion. You know, it varies a little bit from mine, but I can at least see arguments for each one of them, and I don't hate it. Breaking news just today, you know, I am adding this little tidbit in, but the official FCS stats poll is released. Guys, this is the official poll that I'm a part of, you know, I'm a voter in. Um, there's some things I'm not a fan of. Most of it, I like. North Dakota State at one. They're not my one, but how can you deny their success? James Madison at two. We already talked about why they're good. Um, South Dakota State at three. You know, outside of a quarterback, they're returning everyone. If that quarterback is somewhat what Taron Christian is, they could be a real force and potentially a title team. Eastern Washington at four. I can make arguments from, in, you know, them to be anywhere from one to four, so I don't hate it. UC Davis at five. I think it's solid. Jacksonville State at six. Maine, seven. Weber, eight. Nine, Wofford. Number 10, Kennesaw State. I don't like this. I don't like it. So Kennesaw State, they have, you know, they've been really good. For those of you who don't know, they didn't even have a football program five years ago. And, you know, they've been to the playoffs two years in a row. They've won the Big South. Um, they were a national seed this last year. And, you know, they were talented. They lost to South Dakota State in the quarters. But here's the thing. This team has never had, you know, a class to – this is their first time they've ever lost a class. And they lost a quarterback. They lost most of their defense. They lost most of their offense. Um, you know, they return a couple studs, and it's the Big South. So the Big South, looking at their schedule, they should still run through it and potentially be 12-0, and 0, um, even with an FBS game because they're playing the worst FBS team. Oh, one of the top three or one of the bottom three FBS teams, um, which Eastern would wipe the floor with. So they could still be 12-0, and 0, but I don't like them in top 10. All these players are unproven. I would like to see them. I think I put them around 21 to 23 in mine. Um, I'd like to see what, what they can do before, you know, moving in, um, to that top 10, but those are just the stats breakdowns or the poll breakdowns. Um, I want to do a quick little breakdown. This won't take too long about our season, this coming schedule or this, the schedule this coming season. Guys, if you're not aware, we have a 12 game schedule, which is pretty exciting. We normally have 11, uh, but due to, you know, how, how the weekend shaped up, we actually got an extra week in there. 
So our very first game is at the University of Washington. Now, last time we played University of Washington, it was a shootout. If you guys remember Vernon Adams, you know, what was it? Six or seven touchdowns battling. Um, we were playing against, I'm trying to think of everyone who was on that defense. Patrick Peterson. Uh, wow, now I'm having some brain issues. But there's like five first or second round draft picks on that defense. And Vernon Adams tore him up. Cooper Cupper had three touchdowns. He murdered him. Well, that was the first year UW was coached under Chris Peterson. And we have seen what you do, what he's turned that program into. Now they've lost a lot of players this last year. Defensively, they are kind of butchered. Um, they don't return a lot. But they do have, in my opinion, still one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, Jacob Eason. He was like a top 50 recruit in history for Georgia. Um, he started as a true freshman in the SEC, and he won freshman of the year. Then going into his sophomore year, you know, on the fourth or fifth play of the season, he blew out his knee. And then the legend of Jacob Fromm, you know, he, he that that started. And we all saw him from, was it a Netflix show, QB1, um, where it was him, uh, what was it, Mitchell Tate, and the kid who I think went to, I forgot where he went, Um and I also could be, maybe it's not Mitchell Tate. The last name's Tate. I'm having having some brain issues. But Jacob Fromm was there. Um, and he he took over for Jacob Eason and dominated. And, you know, was named the starter after that. And Jacob Eason was like, all right, I want to play. I'm good enough to start in 99% of all FBS teams. I'm going to go back to my home state and play for the University of Washington. Um, so he had to sit out this last year. And he is there. He's got a cannon for an arm, guys. If we can somehow cover his deep ball, we have a shot. If we can't, it's not going to be a pretty game. And by shot, I mean not getting blown out by 30. Um, Because defensively, they are going to be very young. And our offensively, we're really experienced. and, And we could put some points up against them. But man, how they have played recently versus every other FBS team is very, or FCS team is pretty intimidating everyone you know they've beaten everyone pretty handily i think the average team's only averaging three points you know the fcs team playing them so if we can lose and lose by 21 i'm gonna i'm gonna take that as a win um but oh well guys it's a local washington game let's all try and fill that stadium up you know it's not too far it's a great stadium great atmosphere uh and i think after the last two games of playing them they respect us a little bit because it's literally been two games where they have had to win on the last drive of the game, which is pretty exciting when you're battling a you know power five program in an established one like University of Washington. Then the next week, we get our only home game in the out-of-conference schedule, and it's against D2 Lindenwood. I'm not going to say much about this this game because if we don't win you know, like by more than what we did against Central because they're not as good as Central Washington, uh, I'm not going to be too happy. But then the exciting one. Jacksonville State, I know earlier on the podcast I said week four. I lied. It's week three. We go to Jacksonville State, who has been one of the powerhouses of the FCS since probably 2013. Um, You know, we played them once when they had a quarterback, Eli Jenkins. Um, We beat them in the playoffs. Well, we signed a home and away deal with them, so it's really exciting. You know, we're willing to play these big-time schools like we played Sam Houston State when they were still dominant. Um, North Dakota State we've signed up for. Um, and we're in Northern 
Northern Iowa, who is always a tough school. Um, but yeah, it just shows that we are we're wanting to play these big time schools. And I'm glad it happened this year because the rest of our schedule is fairly weak compared to what we've had you know prior. But yeah, we're going down to Jacksonville State on the 14th. It's going to be really hot. It's going to be humid. Uh, they're in Alabama. I'm excited. I hope some Eastern fans can go. This is definitely a top 10 matchup. Um, on some polls, you know, it's even a top five. But it's going to prove a lot for these two teams. And this is probably the 150-50 game I have on our schedule. I think we do really well this year, and I'll break down at the very end on what I think we go. But this this game is more of a 50-50, and it's due to travel. It's due to humidity, and it's due to their their offense. Um, if we play our game, we should win, though. We, I think as a team, we are better. But they have some really talented guys, and it's it's not a team we can overlook just because they've they've underperformed in the playoffs. We have to we have to look at them like a formidable opponent. They will be our hardest team on the schedule outside of the University of Washington. But we should be prepped. The stadium fits like twenty four thousand people, and um, it's expected to be completely sold out. We are one of the teams they are most excited about to you know come to their schedule. We're the national championship runner up team. They want to prove that they are at that level. They're going to give us everything they have. And they have some amazing offensive weapons. Um, Probably the best wide receiving core across the board. Um, They have three wide receivers who could easily be 1,000-yard wide receivers this next year if they become a little bit more disciplined, if they clean up their mistakes and penalties, because I'm sure some penalties are going to drive back their offense. But they are a really good team. And then we go on to play Idaho. I got to think... The athletic director of Eastern Washington, the athletic director of Idaho, to schedule this game. Um, we aren't really technically rivals, or weren't going to be technically rivals till the 2020 season, and yet we both had an open slot on our out of conference schedule, and we decided to schedule each other. I am so excited. This is a game that our Eastern Washington fans should be able to go to. You know, it's an hour away, the closest FCS team by what two and a half hours. Um, we should pack that house. We should win. We are better than them, as it showed last year. But let's not sleep on them. Idaho had a really good home home record last year. I think they only lost one game. I could be mistaken. I don't have the schedule in front of me. But they played much better at home than they were on the road. So, you know, they have some talented players. Um, from their media day, it seems like they were finally bought in. And I'm excited. And then the next week, we play North Dakota. I don't see anything that scares me about North Dakota. This is not North Dakota State. Um, this is just North Dakota where... We have not ever lost a game against them, and I don't see that changing this next year. Um, Sacramento State, they have one of our old QB coaches, Troy Taylor. He is their head coach. He knows Eastern Washington. They'll be excited to play us. I don't think talent-wise they can stop us, Um, so I'm going to say you know, that should be an easy win. Um, Northern Colorado, there's two different teams Northern Colorado can bring to you, and it is all based around can their quarterback stay healthy? And that's Jacob Nip. He is going into his like 40th year um, in the FCS. You know, he's been injured every single year. He comes out hot. He comes out performing. And then he, unfortunately he gets injured and it's, it's kind of the case with Northern Arizona as well. Um, if Nip can stay healthy, there's a chance that, you know, North Northern Colorado could be a six win team, seven win team and getting shootouts with people, but their defense isn't good. So I think on, on paper, you know, even if we just hold them, a little under what we are able to score on them because we'll be able to score at will, in my opinion. We should win that game fairly easy, too. Montana, this would be our third toughest game on the schedule. 
they return a lot of their offense and defense. I think they have like 16, 16 starters returning. I could be off on that number. Um, it's at Missoula. It's at Walgris. You know, we, we've done pretty well there recently, but Bobby Houck does not. I don't think he really cares for Eastern too much. You know, he won't give us any type of credit. And Montana fans, Montana fans are going to be ready. Montana is going to be ready. They, you know, they, how I like to say it is they avoided us last year because honestly they did. They weren't going to beat us. Um, and they shouldn't this next year, but going and playing at Walgers, it's not a for sure win. This is going to be one of those, one of those games that we do have to prep for. I believe we have a bye week. Um, let me double check in between. So we should be able to prep pretty well. Yep, we do. So we have a bye week after, after Northern Colorado, we should be able to, you know, prep for this Montana team and come out swinging. So I'm excited. I, I think that should be a win. Northern Arizona comes to Eastern Washington, you know, Kate, Case Cookis, he's like Jacob Nip. He's been there for 40-plus years. Um, he's been the quarterback. He always seems to get injured at Eastern Washington. We, we've broken his collarbone, you know, twice, which is unfortunate. But it's always been at Northern Arizona. So, you know, he played really well when he was up here in 2015. Yeah, see, he's been a quarterback forever. But, you know, he beat us with his gold flashy shoes. He was running all over us. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I don't think Northern Arizona, especially after they lost their best receiver, um, Butler, I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with this. Idaho State, if we played them last year, it could have been a fun game. Um, but they lost their quarterback. And of course, they still you know, return one of the brothers of the quarterback. Um, I believe it's Tanner, Tanner Guller, um, Guller, something like that. I'm going to, who, Geller. Oh my bash. My bad. Why did I say Guller, Geller. Um, but I can assume he only had those good of years is because he had some type of connection with his brother. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm willing to see it. But Idaho State's defense is just not not good enough to beat us. I don't think that's going to be a hard game to go down to Idaho State and win. Um, then, you know, 11-16, we played Cal Poly. Cal Poly lost the only person who made them a threat. And we still beat them real bad last year. What was it, 72 to... 72 to 13 or something. It was, it was ugly, but they lost big Joe, their fullback who was an all American for the last four years. He was injured in 2017 and we saw how good Cal Poly was. They went one and one in 10. I don't imagine when he's gone that they're going to do much better than that. I think they will finish at the very bottom of the big sky. And I'm not nervous about Cal Poly and their triple option. Then at the end, we are going to play Portland state. Like we always do. Man, I hope we can one day switch that game for Idaho. I'd much rather have Idaho end the season than Portland State, especially it's at Portland State, and you know, you're know you going to go to Hillsboro High to go watch that game. You know, People can make fun of Eastern Washington Stadium all they want, but at least we don't play at Hillsboro High. You know, Even the, the, the MLS stadium that they were playing in downtown Portland did not want them. No disrespect to Portland State. You know, you've been a fun rivalry, I hope, it continues, and, and we always play you guys. Right now, I believe the series is tied, which is kind of crazy. But I don't see you guys coming in and beating Eastern Washington or us going down there and you guys upsetting Eastern Washington. I don't see it. So based off of my... Based off of me looking at the schedule, I see Eastern Washington going 11-1 and with a loss to UW. Now, I will say there's two swing games where anything can happen. So worst case scenario, we go 9-3. and Best case scenario, we go 11-1. and one. Most likely, we go 11-1 or 10-2 and, and probably secure a top eight seed. So that is my next year preview. Um, you know, we'll definitely 
do some more podcasts moving forward, but but we're definitely going to close down this power hour. So take your guys' last shot. I don't know if you've been drinking Bush Light or Rainier or you know some other local Spokane beer. You know, give me that sponsorship, guys. But put down your power hour. Take that last shot. And here's what's to come. So we are going to be doing a big sky breakdown really soon. I haven't asked them yet, but I think I'm going to grab someone from the Montana Mint and Tubbs at the club, you know, Idaho and Montana, to jump on a podcast with me. We're going to break down this season as a whole. As you heard here, maybe I'm biased. I think Eastern Washington is the overwhelming favorite and has a pretty easy chance to win the Big Sky and go 8-0 in conference. Maybe that's not the case compared to what the other people view, but we're going to break down the Big Sky. In this season, you can hear me on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. You can hear me on this Eagles Power Hour podcast, and then also on the Big Sky Podcast Network, we'll be we'll be doing some group shows, um, and we'll have content for you guys weekly. If you guys like this podcast, gives it a give it a thumbs up, give it a comment, give it a ranking. Um, if you don't like it, you know this is my first one. Hopefully, I'll get better. If I don't, then you don't have to listen ever again. But <laughs> I hope you guys listen. Um, well, there it is. You guys have a great rest of the day, and go Eags. <laughs>